This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So how was Australia? Oh, it was great. I bet. It looked awesome, man. I have wanted to go to Australia since I was a kid. Yeah, it's a pretty great place to visit. Even just spending like a week in Sydney. It's pretty fun. Looked like it. So, and then I figured, since I was on that side of the world, I guess I should, you know, go up to the Great Barrier Reef. Yeah, before it's destroyed and lost forever. Well, yeah, part of it was already looking bleak. Oh, lovely. But climate change isn't real. Let's not worry about that. Oh, you no, know, global warming is just God hugging us a little bit more. There we go. Oh, Kyle wants in if we can add him in. Okay, that's fine. I have nothing. I really have nothing to add to this because you know I've been traveling and not really paying attention to anything. Yeah, that's why I used your Instagram feed for your contributions. Play fake down the middle and caught! What a catch! There's some points. That's the freshman Rondale Moore. It is intercepted. Bailey the other way. Sailors inside the 10, first and goal. Sindelar looks back across the field. Open man and a Purdue touchdown. That is Bryson Hopkins from Sindelar. 
third and one. Purdue has not run the ball much in this first quarter. They will give it on a little jet sweep. Rondale Moore will get the first down and much more. How about this kid in the Northwestern Territory? I don't think they can catch him. Moore, touchdown. Wow. Welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the first Hammer and Ales podcast of the 2019 football season. We are, as of this recording, 12 days away from the season opener at Nevada. And with me tonight is Juan, our world-traveling doctor, back from Australia and ready to go on his next trip. And he will be in Reno. How are you, Juan? Oh, man, you know, I don't know what's going to be more exciting, snorkeling and diving at the Great Barrier Reef or Reno, Nevada. Well, can you shoot a man just to watch him die at the Great Barrier Reef? I mean, you could shove him into a shark, so... Oh, but if the shark has a laser beam on its forehead, even better. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to touch that. Also with us tonight, from God's Country, up in Lafayette, Indiana, is Kyle Holderfield, the assistant coach of the Harrison Raiders and voice of the kickoff show, hosted every home game at University Bookstore. How are you, Kyle? Oh, fantastic. We will be there. Um, home opener, I believe we got Vanderbilt home opener, right? Is that yes, our home opener that's... here? A couple, couple weeks, we'll be there two hours before kickoff at uh, U- University Bookstore right across the street there from Mackey Arena. Um, so God's country is beautiful as always here in uh, Purdue, Purdue country. Um, students are back on campus, was at the bars last night. It was a complete disaster, so everything's good. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was up there yesterday at the uh, fan day, and it was well attended at, in the Ballenkopf. A lot of a lot of fans came out, and it was good to see. Uh, and just one of the things that I noticed is a lot of the freshmen were running the drills with the kids and everything. And then I I managed to stand pretty close to Fashow and Carlaftis, and I have to say, for freshmen, they are grown ass men. That is one hundred percent factual. Um, I, they looked. At, I mean, they they they're two of the most physically imposing freshmen that I can remember coming to Purdue. And of course, you know, George got here, and well, he's always been here, but enrolled in January. And they say that he's kind of cut down a little bit of the baby fat and's put on a lot of muscle too. So, um, yeah, he, he is a physical specimen. I will say that. Yeah, yeah, he's he's going to be pretty special here. So. uh we obviously have Nevada opening the season, and I know, Juan, you were a watcher of Last Chance U. What on earth happened? I thought this Malik Henry guy was supposed to be the next end-all, be-all out of uh, Last Chance U, and he doesn't even win the starting job at Nevada, loses it to a redshirt freshman. Malik's not coachable. Can't be coachable, man. I don't know. I, I just started season four, so I don't know what happens there, but the, the season three joke is that he's not coachable. So maybe that has carried over. Maybe Kyle can fill us in. I know he started watching sooner. I have seen all four seasons. Malik not only is not coachable, but he's also not very good. (laughs) So not being coachable and not being very good usually means you're not going to start. So not not a huge surprise, I think. Um, I mean, he was a highly recruited guy out of high school, went to Florida State, flopped. Went to Last Chance U there in Independence Community College. Kind of flopped the year he was there. I don't know how far Juan is. I don't want to have a spoiler on him, but uh, no, I just finished the first episode. I literally started oh, it today. Okay, never um, mind. I'm not going to spoil it for you then. Well, no, I just know that he came back to ICC after not getting any offers after season. Yeah, 
advisory role kind of deal. And then, um, you know, they stinked last season. So uh, it is what it is. But it ends up being a walk-on at Nevada. And, um, again, when you're not coachable, you're not very good. You just don't play. <laughs> so, Well, was he more of a dual-threat guy, or what style of quarterback was he? Uh, pretty sure he was listed in high school as a, as a pro style I believe, and he's a he's a littler guy. Um, hmm. I mean, I don't I don't know if he's over six feet tall, 190 pounds, but um, he can move a little bit. But I mean, he's not going to break away any big runs by any means. Okay, because they I know that they have a more pro style guy with Carson Strong. That's a that's like a uh, movie quarterback's name, Carson Strong. Mm. Yeah, that's a very good name. He was a kind of a two star recruit, I think, come out of high school. He had an offer from Iowa State, also. Uh, so redshirt freshman gets gets a nod here coming up uh, eleven days away or so, twelve days away, whatever it's at right now. I know uh, one of the things excited to see is not just uh, Big George, but the entire defensive line. I I have I think I'm pretty high on him this year, to be honest. Even with Neil kind of limited to start, uh, obviously it doesn't look like he's going to be able to start start the Nevada game because Brom's been kind of hands off with him. But uh, I just like that we actually have some depth now, and I think that's going to be a key difference. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with you. I think the defense as a whole um, is going to be pretty good. We're going to be young at corner, um, but you you know you return Mosley back at safety, um, who will be in his fourth year of starting. Uh, you might have Jalen Graham back at safety too, next to him, and then of course a linebacker. We're kind of we're starting to build a little bit of depth there, and we're getting pretty good. You have. Bailey, Ben Holt, Jalen Alexander, Derek Barnes in that tweener position, Cornell Jones. I mean, we're getting we're pretty deep there. And then, of course, we've hit the defensive line pretty hard the last couple of recruiting classes uh, to the point to where a high, highly recruited guy, uh, Stephen Fasho, the four star, he might play in four games, you know, because that's the new freshman rule. But there might be a chance where he ends up redshirting if, if the depth works out well enough to where he doesn't have to play a bunch. I think it could be at that. Probably his redshirt depends on when Neil can come back. I expect Neil to come back sometime during the season, mm-hmm. but obviously he's a little bit limited. And with some of the talk, I, I'm kind of surprised that there's some first round talk for him. But you know, I'll take it. And obviously, if you can get him back at any capacity, that's probably pretty good. Yeah, Lorenzo, I'm. I was a little surprised the first round talk too, but you go back and watch some of the game tape of him last year before the injury, and he was really impressive. Uh, I mean, a guy of that size, and he was playing almost eighty percent of the snaps. I think is what I read last year as a junior, which is again really impressive for a nose tackle. And he was making some good plays. Um, I agree with you on the red shirt deal with Stephen Fasho. With if Lorenzo comes back healthy, and you know how ACLs are, um, skill guys usually come off of it pretty good um but the bigger guys that carry a lot of weight uh, it's harder for him to come off of an acl terry we're kind of seeing i think the same thing with richie worship right now he's always been a bigger back so his knee injury hasn't healed completely and i know richie's been i, I think that what i saw for him they said it was going to be mid-season at best which is just unfortunate for the guy especially the fifth year senior i mean maybe you get a sixth year for him in the end but you know it, it's just unfortunate that it didn't work out for him and especially as little depth as we now have at running back um do you do you think that there's any chance somebody makes a position switch like a jackson anthrop to running back or something like that you know i'm not i'm not real sure um you know you're looking at the depth chart now you probably 
are rolling out Xander Horvath as your number one, backed by you know a couple of freshmen, King Daru, Dijuan Hewitt, um, and then you have Alfred Armour as well. Yeah, I mean, you're lacking a lot of depth there. Mershon Rice was listed as an athlete coming out of high school, I believe, so maybe that guy. Uh, Jackson, like you said in your article yesterday, played a little bit of running back in high school. You know, maybe he lines up in the backfield, but don't expect a receiver to, you know, go to running back and carry the ball a bunch. He'll probably be a guy that'll catch the ball out of the backfield more than anything. And from what I've heard, uh, Coach Barclay is really, really high on Dejuan Hewitt. Can do it all. He's starting to learn the pass protections a little bit. Um, so. By the end of the season, you might see a true freshman starting at running back, you know, a couple guys at outside wide receiver, uh, maybe a freshman in the offensive line rotation. I mean, we're going to be young, um, but uh, very talented. Yeah, and that's that's uh, pretty key is the youth there. Is I, I think we just got to kind of ride that out. I know I did the math the other day, and I've said it a couple times in my articles. We've got 45 of 77 scholarship players listed as freshmen, mm-hmm. either redshirt or true freshmen. That is an absurd amount of freshmen. But if it works out and you are able to get guys to answer some of our big questions on the offensive line and defensive line and at running back, then, oh, boy, it's going to look really good for 2020 and 21. Yeah, absolutely. You know, P.J. Fleck and Brom were hired, I believe, in the same year, P.J. Fleck to Minnesota. P.J. did a quicker turnover of the roster than Coach Brom. You know, Coach Brom came in, he had the – win now mentality so he kept some of those older guys from the previous you know regime and um started now they're starting to kind of weed themselves out as more talent come on to camp it comes on the campus uh when pj took over minnesota it was like year one he had like 35 freshmen or red shirt freshmen or something like that so kind of the same boat so we'll be going through some growing pains for sure you know i've said it all off season um people who are saying nine or ten wins Eight, nine, ten wins probably should be looking at 2020, 2021 for those. I've, I, I think between, honestly, between five to seven wins is a successful year with 45 years, 75 guys being under 21 years old. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm looking at if they can get to seven wins, that'd be, that'd be a pretty big step. I think you, you increase the, you increase the win total from last year. You maybe get a bowl win in there. And any anything beyond that is probably gravy. But at the same time, it's a tough schedule, but it's not a ridiculously challenging schedule. It's not, I mean, what happened that year and with Hazel aside, Hazel's first year in 2013 was just an absolutely brutal schedule by comparison, even to this year, too. Yeah, 100%. You know, we you look at our schedule and you go to Nevada, um, you know, where I think we're eight and a half point favorites starting out at Nevada, and then you host Vanderbilt, you host TCU, you you get a couple of good non-conference power five teams to try to get you ready for that Big Ten grind. And um, I don't, We don't have Ohio State on the schedule this year. We play Penn State early on. Um, I know. There goes, a, there goes a win for us with that Ohio State. <laughs> I know. So we got we to gotta temper our expectations by a win even more so now because usually the Ohio State's a built-in win for us at this point, you know. Especially at home. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, I just, you know, people are saying eight, nine, ten wins, um, maybe maybe a year or two down the line, maybe next year when Rondell's a junior and we have 35-year-old Elijah Sindelar in his 18th year at Purdue University. Um, <laughs> <laughs> then maybe then. But this year, if, we're, if we make another bowl game, uh, I think it's we should be pretty happy. Well, that's pretty cool. And uh, 
we'll let Juan and I I'll let you go, Kyle. I know uh, you've got you said you've got to get up at five a.m. since you're uh, yeah. fluent in <laughs> back in school youth of America. <laughs> <laughs> Thank so. you guys, appreciate it so much. Uh, uh, real quick though, on Ontario Fuller, I guess you know that hasn't been released or anything. I, running back takes a huge hit with Terrio. We were going to lean on that guy quite a bit, I think. So but it's going to be. It's going to be real interesting to see, you know, uh, Coach Brom likes to throw the ball, you know, but he, he also likes to balance attack. So you, you, we might see even more throwing than we did uh, Sindelar's last four or five games when he was healthy in year one. It's, it's going to be interesting, but I, I freshmen play all the time, and uh, it's going to be really I, – I trust Doru and Hewitt. I mean, that's what they came for. They came – ready to get ready to play and i know we lost evan anderson he went into the transfer portal and boy he would have been he would have been able to get some uh, playing time now yeah he would have walked right into it yeah 100 percent. he would have walked into a good role but i think he had some some stuff going on with his family back home so That's he wanted right. to head back yeah. home yeah he wanted to transfer back home i think one of i want to say Someone in his family might have come down with some type of illness or something like that. And so um, hope everything's well with Evan, of course. But, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a good season, obviously. And um, I'm sure we'll pot again before the Nevada game here in 12 days or whatever it is. Yep. Well, thanks a lot, Kyle. And uh, yeah. I guess Juan and I will take it home here with looking yeah. a little bit at Nevada. Yeah, for sure. All right, guys. Thank you. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I know you've been going over them up and down here the last week or so. Oh, yeah, totally. You know, during my trip to Australia, you know, that's just exactly what I was focused on was uh, Nevada and talking about Purdue football. So much so that you should really see my contributions to the roundtable that we had last week. You know, I made some great key points there and even predicted a Rose Bowl, apparently. Uh, well, we were able to throw in some of your great stuff there and some of your pictures and everything, but... Uh, I'm doing a little quick research here on Nevada. I know they've got some pretty good receivers, but uh, like I said, they've got a redshirt freshman starting at quarterback. Uh, they've got a couple of their top receivers back. They have Caleb Fossum, who had 70 receptions for 734 yards last year, but only one touchdown, which yeah. uh, obviously not finding the end zone very much there. They lost... Their top receiver in McLean Mannix, who had 875 yards and seven touchdowns. Uh, but they do get Elijah Cooks and uh, Romeo Dobbs back, uh, who had 43. Or Cooks had 22 for 348 and six scores. And Dobbs had uh, 43 for 562 and two touchdowns. They also get their top running back back, Toa Taua. Tau- oh, man. Don't ever have me pronounce Samoan names. And this is just the four-letter Samoan name, so uh, yeah. I'm, I'm shaking my head. You know, the, the <laughs> listeners can't see it, but I'm shaking my head right now <laughs> as you're trying to pronounce these things. I think it's Toa Tawa. Yeah, 872 yards rushing, six touchdowns. So they've got a lot of their skill uh, players back, but not much in or nothing really a quarterback uh, by going with the going with the redshirt freshman. And Tawa actually had. 
is probably has more throwing experience than Caleb Strong at quarterback. He was four for four last year for 73 yards and a touchdown as a running back. So that's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it'll be, it'll be an interesting matchup to see. I'm kind of, even though I haven't really done much research with them, personally, I'm still surprised that the that Purdue is favored by eight and a half to see it that much. Just because, you know, we are returning such a young team at the same time. So there's really a lot of unknowns there that's going on. And it, uh, historically, well, I mean, granted, we're only looking at a sample of like the last 12 years or so. But like when it, when Purdue's first game is not in Ross State Stadium, they haven't won a game. They haven't won a home. They haven't won a season opener away from Ross State since 2007. When, uh, that was at Toledo, I believe. Yes. Now, granted, we've had some two bad coaches in that time, so that does skew the statistics a little bit oh, well, as yeah. well. But yeah, so it's, it'll be interesting to see if you know Purdue can you know open that up. Plus, I'll be there, so that might just be like another curse along the way. Um, <laughs> let's be honest. I, I can guarantee you that if we lose, I'll probably get some lovely tweets in my direction blaming me, like two or three. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at those away from Purdue openers that we've had since that win over Toledo. You have 2010, they lost to Notre Dame, 23 to 12, and I was at that game myself, and that was the Robert Marv game. He made his debut and had the famous flip into the end zone on our only touchdown. Oh um, yes. <laughs> 2013 at Cincinnati, uh, I was also at that game, 42 to seven, and well, that might have actually been. That And I remember that game in Cincinnati, and it was so strange because uh, I believe we were down only 14-7 at halftime. Yes. But it, it, we had just missed an extra point, or we'd missed a field goal right before halftime, and it just kind of snowballed from there because I believe they took the second half kickoff, marched down, scored, we went three and out, and they marched down and scored again. And it just, it really went south in a hurry for a game that was, you know, competitive at halftime. And I remember well, walking out, and I was like, oh, oh, yeah, we were competitive. It was just, you know, the weather, and we wore down in it. And oh, God. <laughs> no, even the first half, like, that was bad. Like, the only reason why I remember, the only reason why Purdue had that touchdown was because Cincinnati muffed a puff, muffed, yeah. muffed a punt. Ah, I'm sorry. My, like, you know, my, I'm still a little jet lagged here. I'll just blame it on that. Yeah, and that was the only reason why Purdue was even in the game uh, to begin with, and and then what there was the tw- and then the last one was the 2017 game at uh, at Indy versus Louisville. Well, there was, was the other one. 2015 at Marshall. And oh, that's right. I remember that an Applebee's just, two pick sixes. Yeah, on the first play of the bloody season. Yeah, <laughs> and, and it wasn't even a it wasn't even a good pick six like you know nope. ball. No, it was just. And got what, read the entire way. And what made that worse, I remember that game was on a Sunday of Labor Day weekend, the only football college football game on. So everybody was watching. So all the tweets were about that being like that was the most Purdue play ever. And really, we didn't play that poorly after that because I know we had a lead. Oh and yeah, we were up, we were up like thirty-one twenty-seven with the ball. Mm-hmm. And, it was and the running game was working and it was like okay because that was like when the first of uh, Knox and Jones together, right? And if we'd have been able to get a couple first downs, we probably win that game. And then we gave up a we had to punt, we gave up a touchdown, and then we got pick six again, right? And yeah, I believe you- Apple we got pick six or got picked off yet again after the 
second pick six. Right. It, it, the, if I'm remembering, like the offense kind of just went into a very conservative mode and the defense just like had a few lapses there. And that was the thing with Appleby. It was like as soon as, you know, all that pressure was on to like regain that lead, it just completely blew up. So but anyway, that's the pass. That's the Hazel years. Uh, and, then, and then also the Louisville one, which, uh, again, I was at in Indy. And uh, that was that was a hell of a game, honestly. That was great. And that was the first time a loss gave us hope. Yeah, I know. And I, I remember tweeting from that game. It was like we had the lead in the fourth quarter. I was like, we are winning this game. And I actually was confident. Like, oh, my God, we are winning this game. And it, it was a pretty good one. And yeah, we probably got a couple lucky with uh, them fumbling twice inside the one yard line. But and, you know what? I'll take it. <laughs> and you know, Louisville ended up not being that good that year, even with a Heisman winner. Uh, <laughs> but you know, that's just in the past. So yeah, it it really will be an interesting game. I mean, we're talking about a what a far west coast game late at night for compared to Eastern time. You know, it's going to be starting nine thirty. You know, it's. And last time Purdue's had to deal with that was the game at Oregon in 2009. Right. As well. I remember watching that game and Kerry Quad on the big screen because he was on, also on a channel that no one got. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember looking it up here. The last time that Purdue won a regular season game in the Pacific time zone, because Reno's Pacific time, are they not? Yes. They are actually west of Los Angeles. Okay. Okay. But the last time that Purdue won a regular season game in the Pacific time zone was the day my sister was born, October 3rd, 1970, at Stanford. Oh, look at that. It's also Mean Girls Day. Uh, That was a 26-14 win at Stanford. And obviously we don't have a ton of opportunities to, you know, of that over the year. But we lost at Washington in 1971. Just looking through here real quick. Uh, I know we were at Washington a couple times. We lost at USC in 1975. And then, whoa, USC came to Purdue in 1976. That's a surprise. <laughs> I mean, they're probably uh, already in town to play Indiana or to play Notre Dame. Yeah. So we lost at UCLA in 1979. And that was the that was one of only two losses that year. Lost 23 or 31 21 at UCLA to a five and six UCLA. Ah, wonderful. Well, and this is what's so strange about the 79 season. Purdue goes 10-2. and two. Their two losses were to a 5-6 and six UCLA and a 4-6-1 and one Minnesota. So they Purdue, could have won the Big Ten, if not a national title. I mean, Purdue has a tendency to be weird. I mean, even just look at last season. Yeah. Every team that was unranked at the time won at Ross-Aid, and every ranked team at the time lost in Ross-Aid. So, you know, what? it's just our specialty. Uh, going back to kind of our West Coast woes here, um, we have 1987, Purdue lost at Washington 28-10. to 10. Uh, That was part of a strange, uh, we had a double home-and-home home where we played at Washington twice and hosted them twice. Lost to Washington again, uh, 38-9 in 1989. And uh, at California in 1991, lost 42-18. to 18. <laughs> We actually played a decent amount of West Coast teams in the past. Yeah, we played Washington like 12 times. It's weird. And not just those two bowl games either. Uh, and then you've got to go to 1998. Purdue lost the season opener at USC in Drew Brees' first start. Lost 27-17. to 17. You could throw the Rose Bowl in there in 2000 because that was uh, in the West Coast, but it was not a regular season game because 
We did win on the West Coast in 2017 in San Francisco. This is true. Uh, but as far as the farthest that we've gone in a regular season game for a win in any time in recent history, you've got to go to 2005. Purdue won at Arizona, 31-24. And if memory serves me correctly, that may have be the final Purdue game that was not televised in any way, shape, or form. That's true. Also, I don't know if that technically qualifies for because we were talking about Pacific time zone in Arizona. They're, they're mountain fo- time, yeah. Right, but they don't follow daylight savings time, so half the time they're not, they're similar to Pacific time. Okay, so we may we may have to get a ruling on that one. We'll we'll go to the pedant. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but that we'll have to look at when the date was and when you know the clock switched and all that. You know, yeah, this is, but this is, but this is also back when Indiana didn't observe daylight savings time. So this is true, yes. But I mean, it was still a long trip, and uh, that was when we were ranked preseason uh, top fifteen, and we won thirty-one twenty-four at an Arizona team that won went three and eight, and then we proceeded to lose the next six games. Such a Purdue way. But yes, I believe that was the last Purdue game that was not televised in any way, shape, or form because two thousand six. I think all the game, all of the home games were carried on like the ESPN regional stuff. And then obviously at Notre Dame was on TV. I'm pretty sure at Hawaii was televised like in Hawaii and stuff. And then 2007, you have the big 10 network debut. And now we got to deal with, I think it's on CBS sports network or something. I think I I believe so. And we lost at rice on CBS sports network in 2011. Wonderful. But I do know that CBS Sports Network is available on many streaming packages, and so I should probably do another cord-cutting article this week. That would be a good idea. And, of course, you are the one that usually puts together our game day vitals and everything. We'll have uh, all you need to know where it is. And uh, we cannot legally... Uh, SB Nation frowns upon us posting illegal feeds and everything. So, unfortunately, you won't be getting that information from us. But we will say that it it is not hard to find if that is what you were looking for. Yes. <laughs> and that's all we can say on this matter. Uh, and then the other interesting thing is, is this is the last non, er, non-Power 5 game that we have for a while. I know we go to UConn here in a few seasons. But uh, other than that, I really can't think of any time that we're going to another non-power conference team. Yeah, this was definitely a Burke game. He probably didn't want to pay Nevada as much. And so they were like, if you're not going to pay us as much, then you need to come back to Nevada then. for Or come to Reno for a game. In two years, we go to UConn. And God knows if they'll even have a football program by then. Yeah, UConn's in just this weird area where they're joining the Big East. I don't know what's happening to their football team. I don't know if they're staying in the AAC or... Who knows with that. And I think it's neat that we can go to Fresno because Minnesota's going to Fresno this year. Right. Fresno's pretty good at getting the home-and-homes as well. Yeah. We so, do yeah. not get the return game with UConn until 2025. I mean, that's not as bad as, like, our return game with Rice, which, what, like, they came to Purdue in the 90s and then we didn't even go back there until 2011. The the Rice game in 1998 was my first home game as a student. So there you go. And it was a 21-19 win. And they were running the triple option on us. <laughs> was a quadruple option on an option? I don't know. But it was It was also uh, Breeze's first home start, too. Oof. Man, it's a rough start for, yeah. for a glorious career that he had there. 
Oh, I know. Hey, we won the game, though, at least. That's what matters. Sometimes you just need to win the game. And I think that's going to be the motto for the Nevada game, honestly. I think our expectation should be just to win the game. I don't care if it's by one point or 100. Like like we were talking about earlier, we have a lot of freshmen and redshirt freshmen on this team. And I remember talking about it during last season's podcast when Purdue started 0-3 and everyone was like, oh, it'll be better when the new recruiting class comes in next year. Because it's like, this this isn't like basketball. Like, yes, the freshmen can make a big impact, but they're not going to be able to make the same impact they can in in college basketball, where a five-star freshman player can turn a team around into a top five team after being a bottom feeder. So we'll have to see. They could prove me wrong, of course. I'm wrong many times. That's and why. Can, that's why I still have a job. And, and we can't discount win, just winning the game, as you said, because here are Purdue's openers, regardless of venue. This past in this decade, you have 2010 lost at Notre Dame. 2011 beat Middle Tennessee State by three. Thank you to uh, uh, Rico Allen for blocking the. That was an game awful game. Two. I was there. It was so damn hot. Yes, I, w- I was there too. Uh, 2012 beat Eastern Kentucky 48-6 in the, well, we had to buy their coach, uh, Danny, Danny Hope buyout game, but, uh, that's an FCS game that barely counts. 2013, the loss at Cincinnati, 2014, arguably the best win of the Hazel era when he beat an eight and five Western Michigan team, 43-34, beating PJ Fleck. It was all downhill from there. 2015, lost at Marshall, 2016, the second of the Danny Hope buyout games, uh, beating Eastern Kentucky yet again, 45-24, and then lost to Louisville, lost to Northwestern. So we have not beaten a FBS-level team in an opener since 2014. Yeah. <laughs> Granted, you know, it's been a really crappy decade still, but yeah. it doesn't skew in our favor there, but... Yeah, it's still not good. Just throwing away decades. God, no, but it's only been recently too. You know, I remember there was a chart that someone produced, I think, two weeks ago, and it was on the college football subreddit, and it showed uh, historical win margins, like cumulative over uh, his program's history. And with Purdue, like, there's a pretty steady climb up until about, I think it was like the 70s or 80s, and that's when it really dropped with the Coletto and Akers era. And then it came back, and then you see it rise again for Tiller, and then it just keeps dropping. So really, like, okay, granted, like, most people alive have experienced bad Purdue football. But, like, you know, before, like, 1980, 1970, Purdue was pretty decent. We, we just had a very string of bad decades. Yeah, we we we'll have we'll have great decades and follow them with bad decades. Unless my dad, who's been a much longer Purdue football fan than I have, and graduated from Purdue in 1975. When I was growing up, his motto was, "Yeah, you get to see a lot of good football." Unfortunately, none of it's Purdue because we get Notre Dame, we get Michigan, we get Ohio State, we get Michigan State, all coming through Purdue. <laughs> what I think is funny is that I think with the win that Purdue had against Ohio State this season, I think they now have more wins over Ohio State than Indiana does. And mind you, Indiana hasn't beaten Ohio State since like 1989 or something like that. Like all-time wins yeah. over Indiana? I, I think we've had that before. Well, no, 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 no. I'm saying like, so Purdue has like 14 all-time wins against Ohio State. And Indiana okay. has 13. And so what I'm saying is that with that <laughs> last year's win, or maybe like the 2011 win, Purdue eclipsed IU when it came to wins against Ohio State, even though they haven't been them since the 1980s. 
Oh, okay, okay. Here we go. Indiana is twelve seventy four and five against Ohio State. Purdue is now fifteen thirty nine and two. Never mind. So it was, okay, so it started with the Danny Hope era that we finally eclipsed them. Yeah. But still, I just find that funny that it's like it took us this damn long to finally get wins against Ohio State. I find it absolutely hilarious that we have more wins this century against them uh, than Michigan does, and Michigan plays them every year. This is true. Although I think when it came to since I think since two thousand, yeah, Purdue and Penn State lead in terms of wins against Ohio State among Big Ten teams, and each have five. It's. And we've had multiple coaches and everything else. It, we have such a bizarre hex over them in West Lafayette. And we really should have had one more win over them because of that damn 2012 game that we blew. And we 2002. Lead. And 2002. Oh, 2002. It, yeah, the Holy Buckeye game has its own Wikipedia page. Yeah. Anyway, happy thoughts. Happy thoughts. Yeah, because that, that was one of, that was like one of the first dates I ever had with my wife, and she's just meeting me for the first time, and then I just fell on the stands like I'd been hit by a sniper when the guy caught the touchdown. I'm going to slightly judge you for taking your wife on the, as your first date to a Purdue football game. I am going to slightly judge you on that. <laughs> she's, she's hung around since, so certainly ain't my money that's hanging around. I just yeah, got no eyed problem. by her, so... I mean, at this at this point, I feel like that stare is probably like just you know that's she does that all the time at this point, right? She's nodding yes. Her face is stuck like that now. Thanks to you. <laughs> I think I think we're just getting the signal now from our producers that we need to wrap this up. <laughs> I'm the producer, damn it. <laughs> all righty. So uh, for Kyle, who's probably already asleep. And for Juan and myself, Travis Miller, we do thank you for listening to the Hammer and Ales. We're still calling this the Hammer and Ales podcast, aren't we? Yes, Hammer and Ales. Oh, Hammer that's and the, Ales. This one and the one that you and Paul do, where you don't talk about sports somehow, is uh, the only ones that have named the basketball one. We still haven't figured out a good name for that. So, so yes, that is, that is part of the glorious Hammer and Rails podcast network. And so for all of us here, we do thank you for reading and thank you for listening to us. And we're looking forward to a great season here in 2019 for Blue Football.